Thank you for choosing this podcast for the BGSM community. I'm Daniel Friedman, and today I'm delighted to be speaking again with Dr. Sandro DeMeo. After leaving his role as the WHO's medical officer for NCDs and nutrition, Sandro was appointed the CEO of EAT, a non-profit startup focused on food and sustainability. Sandro is the co-host of ABC's Ask the Doctor, has founded a global social movement, festival, foundation, and health blog, all dedicated to tackling NCDs, and recently released a cookbook called The Doctor's Diet. Sandro, thank you again for joining us. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. This week, I came across a tweet from a well-known American doctor who wrote that the difference between my 170 academic papers and my 17 podcasts is tens of thousands of people listen to the podcasts. Looking at all of your work, Sandro, I think this is something that you figured out a long time ago. Could you explain to our listeners your understanding of knowledge translation and why it is so important? I think for me, why knowledge translation is, is so important comes back to what drives me. It kind of comes back to my, my why. Uh, what drives me is the ability to have impact on improving lives and, and preventing uh, needless uh, death and suffering, particularly from diet-driven NCDs or non-communicable diseases. So while the impact factor and the p-value and the and the kind of statistical significance that go behind the you know the journal that you're able to publish in the prestige that comes with that and ultimately the impact factor that kind of we we wrap all that up in is important. What is more important to me is impact at large in society. It's actually making a change for individuals. And that's not to say that they're mutually exclusive. In fact, um, often to have the credibility to be able to make impact in society, particularly as a clinician or as a policymaker even, or as a particularly as a researcher, uh, you need to have both impact and impact factor. But I realized early on that impact factor is necessary, but not sufficient to make impact, particularly as a, as a doctor or as a researcher. And, and so I started to look at other ways early on in my career when maybe I didn't have access to, to publishing in the best journals in the world. I wasn't, you know, being invited to write editorials, et cetera, at that point in my career. I looked at other ways of growing a voice, of finding new tools that were emerging in the technology, in the, in the media's landscape, in the social landscape to drive those messages, to grow that reach, to grow that credibility and to ultimately translate the knowledge that I had, the awareness and the understanding I had that we could prevent these diseases if we chose to, to translate that into impact on the ground, benefit for people and communities across the planet. What are some of the different ways or perhaps media in which knowledge translation and impact can be achieved? Uh, First of all, social media. I mean, Twitter has been such a game changer in my career. I really cannot cannot overemphasize or underestimate how important Twitter as a tool has been. In terms of building connections, uh, creating a global cohort and, and, and allies, building a voice, getting your getting my ideas out into the landscape. And even once I publish something, whether it's on you know a, a, the, the PLOS blog that I that I launched and founded uh, plus plus global health, or whether it's an editorial or some original research, Twitter is once again such a powerful tool to disseminate that knowledge, to actually get it in the hands of those, you know, that I want to get it into. But it's also a very powerful way of growing your sphere of influence. So social media is a really important one. 
Another one is through is through writing, and and again, cannot emphasise the importance of, as a clinician, as a thought leader, whether it's whether it's the opportunity or, in fact, I believe the responsibility to actually take what we know, make it tangible, make it relatable, make it explicit, make it really simple to understand um, and take it out to a broader audience. And I've done that through the conversation. I had a column with them for many years through the PLOS blog that I mentioned, through a column with Huffington Post. I do it through Medium. I do it through now um, a number of newspapers around the world. And, and as you said in your introduction, I can reach 200,000 views in 24 hours on a single post on the conversation but then get syndicated or basically copy and pasted onto other media channels all around the world. There is not a single journal that I could publish in tomorrow that is going to reach 200,000 people overnight. Now, yes, maybe there's an element of quantity over quality. Maybe it's not, you know, the hardcore science community that are going to kind of love every word of what I say, but that's also important. It's an opportunity to actually take our messages to a much broader audience. You know, and so many opportunities have come from that. In fact, one of the other ways that I've created impact launching a public festival, the philanthropic funding for that festival that reached 5,000 people in 2015 at the Melbourne Convention Centre run by volunteers focused on climate change and obesity. That was actually funded by a gentleman who read one of my articles on Huffington Post and originally found me through Twitter. Just one example of the power of these tools to be able to create uh, impact a, a 5,000 person TED style conference through the culmination of multiple sort of multiple chain of events that, that led on from going one step beyond just publishing research, which in and of itself cannot stress is still so, so important. I'm not underestimating the importance of science. Another is, is, is the cookbook. When an opportunity presented to, to write a book, I thought, well, rather than writing another kind of weighty analysis of the food system that probably I'm really not the best person to be doing anyway, why not use the other part of the other passion in my life, which is food and cooking, combine it with the fact that I'm passionate about giving the skills and knowledge to individuals and families to make better informed choices to improve their health. I could combine both in a cookbook, and that's exactly what I did, 150 pages of health information, how to read a nutrition panel, how to navigate a supermarket environment wrapped it all up with publisher that made it really easy to read. It's at a very cheap price point, mostly in discount supermarkets. And I use all the income to fund a foundation in Australia focused on then addressing child obesity. So again, you create impact, you grow reach, you create revenue from that first project, which in and of itself is science translation. And the last example is, is the television show. I mean, it started as, uh, as a TV show in Australia, uh, it's called Ask the Doctor, and basically the concept is the same, protecting patients from misinformation, but giving them the tools and the skills and a little more information that is alone not going to empower them to, to, to fully transform their health, because that also takes changing the environment and policy and all these other things. But information is still very powerful. It's kind of dipping your toe. What started as an article in in a newspaper got the attention of someone who was interested in putting together a show to translate that which became a show on national TV in Australia, which now has become a way to reach up to, you know, 300 million people through Netflix worldwide. So, so these are some of the ways that, that I've been able to, I suppose, take the science, which I'm very passionate about. Everything has to be based in the most rigorous science. But to get it from a document on the shelf 
or a bunch of words, you know, a p-value and an impact factor to impact, to change on the ground and to get clinicians changing their practice takes far more than just the systematic review. And, and it's a combination of those two that's so powerful. Taking research off the shelf and bringing it to the ground is still much easier said than done. I mean, it's reported that it takes 17 years for 14% of original research to make a difference in the real world. How have you been able to overcome this leaky research pipeline? Well, I think understanding that publication is only halfway to impact, maybe even a third of the way. And and I think probably, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to, you know, boil it down to to what are maybe the three most important things for a clinician or a researcher to engage with if they want to kind of make sure that the, that it's their research hopefully in far less than 17 years that is making impact. I think the first is to make sure that when you publish anything you have a dissemination, you have a you have a an impact plan. What is the plan for actually taking that finding, you know, just like we have a plan for when we've got data, most of us know which journal, uh, which co-authors, we're even talking about the ordering of the, and probably by that stage arguing about the, the ordering of the authors, but, but think also about what are you going to do after it's published? As soon as that journal article is out, who are you going to tweet it to? Where are you going to tweet it? Who are you going to tag in that tweet? What is the message going to be? Is there, an, is there a graphic you can use that's emotive? Is there an analogy you can use to, to really drive it home? The second is where can you take that complex idea and boil it down into a simple, easy to read, highly shareable asset? And that could be a newspaper, but increasingly, you know, Medium is a great platform for doing that. Huffington Post is a great platform. The Conversation is a great platform for doing that. And it also forces you to really think through like what what is the essence of what I'm trying to say here and what is the impact I want to achieve from this research, from this, from this new information. If you can articulate that in a written form, it's also far easier to then articulate it when you're suddenly asked to step up and, and give a talk. And I think the third is, you know, is to actually look at how you can uh, work outside what you know what are the avenues for kind of breaking down it's great to ensure that your echo chamber of the science and policy community or the the academic and, and public health community or the sports medicine community around you that they they receive and and maybe they are the ones that need to hear that message but how do you work outside that echo chamber then once you've saturated and you've achieved kind of getting the message to those that you think immediately need it and that you need to know it for your own career progression how do you get outside that and what are the other avenues that you can use far beyond just the typical low-hanging science translation media and there are you know there are loads of those and i think podcasts are one really really great example very powerful kind of having their renaissance in many ways and really fit into people's modern lives podcasts are a great way of getting your research out let me paint a really tangible example, though, of what I mean about thinking beyond the publication date and really focusing on what actually the purpose of that research is. I run a foundation. We're based in northern Europe in, in Norway. In uh, January next year, we'll publish a, an Eat Lancet commission working to answer the question, what does the planet need to be eating by 2050 
in a 9.7 billion person world to leave no one behind and yet have a planet that is safe, that is prosperous, and that is sustainable for us to live on for future generations. So we have developed as much of an architecture, I would say probably twice the architecture for how we launch, disseminate, socialize, and implement, I would wrap all of that up as translate this very large piece of science, which will include a reference diet for the first time in history that reflects both planetary and human hard boundaries. But it will also give us five transformation pathways for our food system to achieve that diet by mid-century. So we have partnerships with governments around the world. We have built partnerships with key private sector actors. We have a podcast series that will be launched. We are talking about developing a television series with a major global digital platform. We will run a global campaign and we'll have more than 40 global launches. And the idea is really to take what will be a, you know, what, what, what has the power to be transformational science and ensure that it becomes transformational, that it ensure that it actually, it actually achieves the why of what we set out to do in the first place, which is not to publish a report, but to change the world's food systems. Sandro, you've spoken a number of times about the value of Twitter, and I was wondering if you have any rules or tips for other clinicians using social media. When it boils down, I have five tips for clinicians using social media, and here they are. First of all, get involved. It's not that scary, and and yes, you'll start with no followers, and that bruises the ego, and you'll be kind of slightly outside your comfort zone in you know a new digital ecosystem where everyone else seems to kind of get it. But just just give it a go. Get involved, even if it's just to follow you know the 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 British Journal of Sports Medicine and the other similar outlets and and, and credible journals and to be able to have a, a constant feed of kind of what you love to consume, that's okay. It, think of it as kind of a, a river of information just flowing past and it's all the stuff you love. Again, that's okay. Get involved. The second is once you are involved, start to get engaged. Practice. You know, give things a go. Start tweeting. Start using different hashtags, exploring different options. You know, get involved in a Twitter chat follow a few people that maybe, you know, you don't agree with, better understand their point of view and, and, and grow, grow your own ideas. Second is get engaged. The third is get informed. So what I mean by this is we do live in a world where there's a lot of information and it's increasingly difficult to understand what is fact and what is fiction. So whilst getting engaged in the, the, the Twitter ecosystem, I think is so important for any clinician or scientist it's still important to understand how to use the tools and understand the risks that, you know, democratized media means everyone has a voice and, and it also means that the, you know, fact versus fiction uh, is not as clear cut. So make sure that you are using informed sources and that you understand the limitations of the technologies that you're using. The fourth one is get your audience. So if you're going to actually try to start to have an impact. Understand what your audience, you know, what, who is your audience? Who are you trying to reach? What is, you know, what are you trying to maybe, who are you trying to connect with? As you start to grow your reach and increase your followers, understanding who your followers are 
and being able to tailor your message in a way, not, not change the content or skew the data or in any way reshape the facts, definitely not, but presenting it in a way that your audience is going to enjoy it and take it and share it obviously multiplies your impact and that's really important. And finally, once you've got involved, got engaged, got informed, got your audience, I think the most important one of all of them is to get your why. Why are you engaging in social media? What is actually the impact you want to create? So it might be about, you know, growing your standing or your status in your particular field. And, and that's okay, you know, um, your sphere, growing your sphere of influence, letting people know that you are a thought leader in the field, sharing your ideas. That's a large reason why people like to publish in higher impact journals. And for some of us, it's, it's an important part of, the, of, of engaging in social media. I think though for many of us, it's also about actually um, achieving a certain outcome. Or for me, it's about really both driving the agenda of nutrition and the importance of improving diets to uh, alleviate suffering and, and disease worldwide. But, but it's also actually, it's about giving the tools, it's about reaching a public audience to give them the tools and the knowledge and to better inform them to be able to make a more informed decisions. But it's also about reaching the policymakers and the decision makers uh, to be able to actually create an environment, a built or food environment or urban environment that is conducive, that is more supportive of those types of behaviours, those types of, uh, you know, the, that will make the environment, uh, to, to make it more possible for individuals to have those healthier choices. So I suppose understanding, you know, is it about sharing your science? Is it about growing your reach? Is it about reaching a specific audience? Is it about influencing a specific audience? Is it about having a very specific outcome in society or in, you know, in the area that you work? Understanding your why before you, you engage or early on when you engage in social media will help you to tailor uh, your message and your approach and to be more effective at the translation of your science. Sandra, I think that's a great place to end it. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you again very, very much for your time. If our listeners would like to find out more about you or your work, where should they go? Yeah, thanks, Dan. It's been great joining you again. If uh, people want to learn more, uh, head to Twitter or Instagram. It's at Sandro DeMeo, one word, S-A-N-D-R-O-D-E-M-A-I-O. And I look forward to connecting in the Twitter sphere or Instagram world. You've been listening to a BJSM podcast with Dr. Sandro DeMeo. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends or leave us a comment and connect to our social media channels. You can also follow All Things BJSM via our app, where you can find more podcasts, our latest articles and other content. As always, we hope you have a physically active day. Mm-hmm.